What should you do if you think that there might be corruption in the church, especially in the leaders of the church? You know, how should you respond when the leadership of the church seems to have or seems to be going wayward? So, uh, you know, I'm a convert, as I mentioned. And so the answer that my parents gave, my, my forefathers, you know, back around the Protestant Reformation was, you know, this, this greed, this corruption that we see in the church, we're going to go ahead and break away and kind of start anew, try to get these things going up anew. So that's one way to handle corruption and to deal with that. We're seeing this take place especially right now within uh, uh, the Methodists uh, church, lots of splitting going on. Uh, I come out of Anglicanism, and so it was, you know, during my time in Anglicanism, we were seeing lots of splits take place, little sects that were breaking off and taking place. So that's one answer to corruption, to difficulties in the church, is to kind of break away, to kind of go off and, and do your own thing instead. Uh, another option that some people take when they see and they have a bad experience at the church, maybe with leaders, is to just give, give it up entirely. Say, no, I'm, not, I'm giving up this Christian thing, not going to do that. So that's another option, another way of dealing with that. And then the third way, the third response is to stay, in spite of the corruption, in spite of the difficulties, to stay put, to, to push on through. So the question is, when you see corruption, what do you do? Which of these options do you choose? How do you know when to stay and when to leave? We've got a great parable today in our gospel reading from Matthew 21, in which our Lord tells this parable uh, about these corrupt religious leaders uh, within the people of God. He tells a story about a vineyard, a landowner who started a vineyard. The vineyard, of course, is, symbolizes the people of God. It symbolizes the kingdom of God. It symbolizes the church. So this vineyard that Jesus was telling the parable about, he says that the landowner hired tenants. Who do the tenants symbolize? The tenants symbolize the religious leaders of the day, the chief priests, uh, the Pharisees, the scribes. And he says that the tenants were refusing to give the landowner his share of the produce. And so he begins to send his servants to them. The servants, of course, we know represent the prophets who would come to Israel to get them to repent. And many times, most times, they were rejected. And so finally, the son was sent, Jesus says in the parable. We know who the son is, right? The son is himself. It is Jesus Christ who suffered and died for us. So he would ultimately lay down his life. However, so in this parable, he's saying at the end of this parable, he says, after all of this, what's the landowner going to do with these corrupt, wicked tenants? Uh, he says he's going to remove them and replace them with others. Now, interestingly, he's using the future tense in this. He says that he will replace them. It's pretty clear in the context of this parable that he hasn't replaced them yet. In fact, if you read just a few chapters later, so this parable is Matthew 21. If you read in Matthew 23, Jesus is telling his listeners, whatever uh, the scribes and Pharisees tell you, do it. Listen to them. Why? Because they sit in the seat of Moses. 
They have that authority. So he says, listen to them. In other words, they haven't been replaced yet. They're still in charge. He says, listen to them. Although, he would say, uh, do what they say, but don't do what they do. Meaning he was saying, yes, there is corruption that's taking place. They're not following their own preaching and teaching. However, because they do have the authority right now, they're sitting in the seat of Moses, do as they tell you. So the big question then is, how do you know when to stop doing what they tell you? How do you know when the transition has taken place from these corrupt leaders to the new leaders? The Lord in that parable said there was going to be new leaders, that the old, the corrupt ones, are going to be removed. So how do you know when to do this? How do you know when to make that shift? Who does God currently, who is he currently endowed with this authority? You know, the context of this parable, the reason that Jesus is answering, is, is giving this parable, is because the chief priests had come up to our Lord and they said to him, by what authority do you do these things? And so in response, he tells them this parable, bringing up this question of authority. Who, who has the authority? Who are you to follow? And especially when you're asking this tough question during times of corruption, during times of difficulty, during times of bad leadership, who do you follow? This is what this parable is helping people to navigate, especially during a time of great transition from this older authority, this corrupt authority that's being replaced to this new authority, which Christ is establishing in his church. So to answer this question, we have to take a few steps back. You have to ask, uh, you know, how are these people established, these church authorities or Jewish authorities in the case of Jesus? You know, how are they established in the first place? How do you know who to follow in the first place? Well, the answer is that these lines, this, this line of authority is established by miracles. This is what we clearly see in the scripture. God makes this supernaturally clear by using miracles, okay? Think about the priests that were in charge, the chief priests that were in charge during Jesus' day. How'd they get their position? How did they get their authority? Well, we go back uh, a few hundred years, maybe a couple thousand years to the time of Moses. God had called Moses out of the desert and he said, hey, I want you to go and rescue my people from Egypt. And Moses is like, whoa, whoa, God, I'm just this guy that's running off in the desert. Those folks are not going to listen to me. God says, uh, no problem. I'm going to give you some miracles to make it very clear that I am sending you. So he says to Moses, take your, your hand, put it in your cloak, pull it back out, it'll be leprous. Put it back in, it'll be clean again and whole. Or he said to Moses, take your staff, throw it down on the ground, it'll become a snake. Or if you grab the snake by the tail, it'll become a staff again. Or take some of this water. I'm giving you the ability to transform water into blood. So God gave Moses these supernatural miracles so he could go and show the people that he was coming clearly sent by God. He had God-given authority to lead them. And it was through that authority that he would establish the priesthood for the people of God. He would establish the Aaronic priesthood, you know, using his brother Aaron. And it was 
that priesthood that the people of God would follow uh, all the way on up to Christ, okay, until this transition, which we'll talk about soon, takes place. So for the most part, I should say, they would follow this priesthood that Moses established. There was, about 600 years before Christ, a group that broke away. So the northern kingdom of Israel, because of greed and corruption, they broke away from Israel. And as part of this break, they created their own priesthood. Uh, and, you know, I've heard, I heard one Catholic priest say that this was a foreshadowing of the Protestant Reformation. So breaking away and kind of creating from the, from the church, from the whole of the church, then putting kind of their own pastors into place. So looking back to Israel, when that northern kingdom broke away, uh, that northern kingdom eventually kind of got broken up and absorbed into the rest of the nations. And so that other priesthood that got up and going disappeared. So we're seeing the same thing take place within Protestantism today. It's kind of breaking up into smaller and smaller pieces. So now the big thing is the non-denominational movement. So you kind of have your own independent church in a way, uh, not connected to a, la- a larger grouping or denomination. So kind of being broken up and kind of being absorbed into the nations, absorbed into the surrounding peoples, becoming more and more like the surrounding peoples, less and less different, less and less set apart. So we see this is the one example that we see prior to Christ where this kind of new priesthood was established, the northern kingdom, but eventually that kind of got absorbed into the nation and disappeared. Apart from that, there was simply that one priesthood that Moses had established that lasted all of the way on up to Christ. And Christ came. And Christ begins to establish this new priesthood. Moses, you recall, said, he prophesied that one day there was going to come one like him. Christ is that one who was like Moses. And just as Moses did many miracles in order to establish this line of authority for the people of God, so we see our Lord, so we see Christ doing many miracles to establish this new priestly line. He heals people. He does exorcisms. He multiplies the loaves and the fishes. He tells people, if you don't believe me, look at the works that I do. They testify to me. You remember that just before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he prayed this public prayer so that everybody could hear. He said, "Uh, God, I'm praying this prayer so that all may know that you sent me. And after he prays this public prayer, then he raises Lazarus from the dead. And because of that, many put their trust in him. And we see these, these miracles also taking place, not quite to the extent that in, in, of Christ's life, but we see these miracles also taking place, some in the lives of the apostles, these first disciples. We don't see them so much today. Not that miracles don't happen, they do. God still works, but not quite like it did, quite like he did when this line, when Christ's line, when Christ was establishing this new priesthood, firming it up, making it very clear about what was taking place, about what he was doing, that God was behind this priestly line of authority that was being established. So this 
is looking back and answering that question about how do these lines of authority, who do you listen to, how do they first get established? They get established through miracles, making it absolutely and totally clear you know, uh, that, that God is behind this. We see this established by Moses, you know, by God through Moses, and then again, this new priestly line being established by Christ. I should also mention that God did one other thing when it was time to transition to this new priestly line of Christ that he was establishing to make it totally, absolutely clear that this old priestly line was no longer functioning, that it was no longer authoritative. That is, in the year 70, the city of Jerusalem, the temple was destroyed, meaning this old priesthood had no way of functioning anymore. It was based on the temple. It was based on temple sacrifices. Without the temple, the Jewish priesthood could not function as it was meant to function. It ceased for all purposes to exist in the way that it was meant to exist. That authority ceased. So this is where this authority comes from in the beginning. Okay, So we see Moses establishing a line, and then we see Christ establishing this line to replace the Mosaic line that had become corrupt, and then God kind of putting a stamp on this with the removal of the temple. This is how these lines were established. So, the question is then, how do you know when the transition has taken place with these change of lines? Our Lord answered this question at the end of the parable. Remember what he said? He said, the stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. What's the stone the builders rejected? Christ is talking about himself, his ultimate rejection, which is his crucifixion on the cross. So up until his crucifixion on the cross, it was this priestly line that Moses had put in charge that had the fullness of authority. They were being replaced. And that transition took place when, you know, Christ was crucified on the cross and our Lord says in the parable, he says, it was a marvelous in our eyes. The, the clear stamp of, that a transition was taking place came about, of course, at Christ's crucifixion and then his resurrection from the dead. The ultimate miracle affirming that Christ had the fullness of authority, establishing this new priestly line. So how do you know when that transition has taken place from this older kind of corrupt leadership to this new leadership? Well, it helps when there's some incredible miracles that are taking place. This clarifies it. Uh, and then we see, you know, these other things. The old priest would be completely wiped away through this great destruction. Uh, but it's, it's very, very clear. So how do you know when to stop following maybe the current corrupt leaders and transitioning to a new line of authority? It's when you see these incredible miracles uh, taking place, establishing this, this new line of authority. There's a crucifixion. The old line of authority is wiped away. So unless you see that, there's no need to move away from the current leaders of the church. And what did Christ say when he established his kingdom? Now, what does scripture say about him? It says, this kingdom will last forever meaning it will not be replaced by any other. So there's no reason to doubt, no matter what you see, no matter what corruption it might look like, 
that Christ has firmly established his kingdom, uh, that it's there, that there's no need to look anywhere else. So when you see corruption, maybe these things disturb you and it's, and it's hard and difficult, stick where you're at. This is the line that Christ has established. You know, don't be tempted away. You know, some folks say, oh, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to that breakaway group or this breakaway group because, you know, they got, they got better music over there or I like the preaching better over there or, or maybe they got nicer people or I like that doctrine more. None of these things are reasons to follow, you know, some, some breakaway movement. That's the devil trying to, you know, pull us apart. Uh, we need to stick fast to this line of authority that Christ has established in his church, you know, passing this authority on to the disciples to Peter uh, and those gathered around him. You know, the Peter, the first pope, and those gathered around him. Peter was the spokesperson speaking out for the church, keeping that unity. Jesus said to Peter and the apostles, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Meaning we hear him through them. This is what Christ promised. We can stick to that authority. Is it hard sometimes? Sure, it is hard. Does corruption get into the church sometimes? Yeah. And it's challenging. But look to the example of Christ. You know, before he made this big transition, he was following and telling other people to follow those who sat in the seat of Moses. Was it hard? Was it painful? Yeah. But he did it anyway. In fact, he submitted himself to this Mosaic established priestly authority even unto his death. You know, God works through these things. So, uh, this is the example. Is it hard to follow authority? Is it hard when there's corruption and things you disagree with? And uh, Yes, it's, it's hard. But this is the example that our Lord gave. This is what he gave to us, this kind of um, solid ground that we can stand on. So, have, have, you know, this is, make no mistake, don't be tempted to go to any breakaway groups. You know, this is why I, as a convert, I didn't grow up in the Catholic Church. This is why I came back to the Catholic Church. I wanted to be on that solid footing that solid line of authority that Christ had clearly established, coming up, bringing us back together into one. So God knows what he's doing. Hold fast, stick tight. You know, hear the words uh, in, our, in our second reading. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So carry on, in spite of any temptations to, to break away or to to, you know, tire or become a patient of leadership that maybe you disagree with. Stick fast. The Lord is in charge of his church. You can trust in him that God may be glorified. Amen.